mindful of you. So uh, do you remember what I, what I spoke about? Yeah, so entering, so Hebrews 4, 12, um, I think to 16, where it talks about um, coming boldly before the throne of God to receive grace and mercy in your time of need. And uh, I, I, I did that this morning um, during the prayer time we have here at 8.45 um, because I didn't have a sermon for you. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know, well, actually I probably didn't come boldly. I came like, well, Lord, hope you got something. And then uh, it was Rod prayed something and I bummed, I, that'll do. And so, um, so this is just literally put together about uh, 20 past nine this morning. So, um, yep, there will be grace in your ears. So, uh, and if you need uh, grace to receive this message, you can go boldly before the throne of God for it. That's it. Um, so this, uh, it's, but it really felt like a, a, a follow-on from what I shared with you last week, this whole idea of Jesus has accomplished everything required for you to receive everything that you need from the Lord. And this is something that it was, it was uh, I was preaching to myself, and it's something that I'm learning to do, to come really to run to God for all that I need or in my time of need. Uh, we all probably grow up with some measure of unmet need. We go through life with areas of need that are, that are good, um, healthy areas for us, but we go without, or there could be areas where we're just in struggle and, and, and in, in our brokenness. But oftentimes we will run to things that we have learnt uh, to, that are kind of quick fixes for us. And we call these false refuges, places of refuge that we run to that meet our felt need in a moment, but they don't actually meet the true need of what's going on in our heart. So we are momentarily uh, kind of satisfied, but then very quickly that same need comes up again. But God is in the business of meeting those true needs. But unless we come before him to access those areas, we then go without actually fully receiving all that God has for us. Hi, Marla. Um, so we know that, uh, and part of that scriptural, uh, we understand that in the cross, uh, in the death of Jesus, that the veil was torn. So this was the veil, a big, heavy curtain, massive, big curtain that was torn uh, from top to bottom. And that was the veil that separated the holy place from the most holy place. So you had like the outer courts and the inner courts uh, in the temple. And then you had this most holy place where the presence of God uh, was, where a priest once a year would go in uh, to perform uh, a sacrifice for the people. So Jesus tears the veil. And I've often thought of that as, and that's when the Holy Spirit kind of was released into the earth. And I think there is certainly an element of that. Um, but more than that is that the veil was torn so that we have access. Not so that God can come out because the Holy Spirit was present. He baptized Jesus and all that but it was really also so that we could go in. So we can enter that most holy place with God without fear. Uh, and not just without fear, so we kind of, I guess I can come in, but we're actually with boldness and confidence. And that boldness and confidence is not dependent upon our own works, our righteousness, how clean our life is, how good we've been this week, but all upon the finished work of Jesus, how good and righteous and holy Jesus is. So we can receive all that we need for life. So any area where we are in struggle, that we can go into that place and receive from God. Now, again, this is something that's a learned practice. Like we have to 
learn this in this new way. As I shared a few weeks ago, you know, we don't come before God uh, like we would go to a false refuge or an idol and expect God to, you know, He's not our, you know, He's not a slot machine where we just kind of pull the lever and, you know, we, we, like we don't come to God to take from Him. We come to receive what He wants to give us and what we need in that kind of way. So He's not our, He's, he's a, He's a good father, he's not a sugar daddy, if that makes sense. <coughs> if it makes sense, you can explain it to me later. And this is the thing, when God calls you out of your old life into his kingdom life, and he reveals the destiny that he has for your life, it will usually be more than you can accomplish on your own. And when I say usually, I mean always, but I just don't like to be that definitive, but that's kind of what I'm meaning, um, if you know what I'm saying. So it's like, he's going to call you to do big and amazing and glorious and spectacular things that are more than likely, definitely, uh, beyond anything that you could accomplish in your own strength. And this is not just because God wants you to be dependent upon Him, but that's just how big God is. That's how glorious He is. You know, more than you can hope or dream or even imagine, the Scriptures say. That's the plans that God has for you. More than that. So you think, well, I think I can accomplish this and I can do that. Well, thankfully, God, you're calling me to something that I can handle. It's probably not the fullness of what He's calling you to. So it means that we are positioned in our life following Jesus, not just in dealing with our past, but actually in walking into our future, that that reality is far beyond anything that we can accomplish in our own strength. And that's an okay place to be. And if it looks scary and big and overwhelming, it's probably because it's God. Okay? And, and there, He doesn't leave us alone. Okay? In the same way that everything that Jesus accomplished on, in His ministry on earth, I'm not talking about the tables that He made, when he was a carpenter, I'm talking about everything that he accomplished in his ministry and the, his death, resurrection, all that sort of stuff was the power of the Holy Spirit. So we read in Romans, if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, how much more will he not give life to your mortal bodies through the same spirit? But it's the spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead. So everything that happened in Jesus' ministry that was of significance was the work of the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit is available to you today to accomplish all that God has for you. So in this journey, then, we also um, learn what it is to be heart aware, like to be aware that I'm a person and I have a heart. God doesn't want me just to live in this supernatural reality and ignore everything that's happening in the natural. And even uh, in the book of 1 John, it talks about this and, and Paul teaches on it um, about uh, this idea of Gnosticism which is essentially where people felt like they could just live with this higher kind of revelation of knowledge and ignore essentially what's going on in the body. And so Paul, uh, so not Paul, but in the book of 1 John, it talks about, you know, if you say you're without sin, you know, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. It's kind of saying, no, you've got to be real about who you are and what's going on and what's going on in your heart. But at the same time, there's a greater reality that exists outside of that. So living in the tension and the paradox of these two realities in that you are, you've been made righteous and that yet there's unrighteousness in your heart. And I think, you know, as kind of the way that Western Greek thinking is, we, we've got to kind of jump from one to the other. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm righteous, I'm, well, because I I'm, feel like I'm righteous and then I stumble and then, okay, now I'm unrighteous and I'm over here and I've got to get back and, you know, we bounce between. But the reality is we live in two of those places at the same time. So being hard aware is important, um, 
So we need to understand, okay, so I've got this amazing destiny that God has for me, but I have the reality of my own heart, of my own circumstance, and my own life. And so we don't want to be a people go, well, it's not in my heart, but I know God's called me to it, so I, I guess I, I better do it, because I'm afraid that maybe God will leave me behind, or what will people think of me if I'm not doing the right thing, or, you know, I've got to perform, because if I do what God wants for me, if I follow the destiny that He has on my life, then He'll accept me in a greater measure. I'll be more acceptable to God if I'm doing all the things that He wants me to do. So what I'm, I'm encouraging you, don't do things out of performance, don't do things out of insecurity, to say, well, God's got this amazing destiny, I don't feel it in my heart, or I feel like I'm struggling with this thing, so I'm just going to do it anyway. But at the same time, don't let what you're journeying through discount you from what God has called you to. So we don't ignore the heart, we don't ignore those areas of brokenness in our life, but we also don't put all of our attention on it, so in some way it disqualifies us from walking in what God has for us. I remember this was, was many, many months ago, and um, Neville actually was sharing, we were talking after a gathering one Sunday, and you know, this whole thing of the journey that God has us on. And so it's not something where you've got to get everything right, and then you can start the journey. As you go, God does the work in your life and in your heart. And oftentimes, it's actually as you're pursuing Him beyond your own capacity, beyond the measure of your ability, that God meets you in that place. Because maybe it stirs stuff up. Maybe it's when you say yes to something, and then you're in the midst of it, and you go, I hate this, and this is too much, and I can't believe I prayed that prayer. I can't believe I asked you to do this, God. What have I done? I've made a mistake. And God's like, no, you did the right thing. And now in that place, I'm going to meet you. And I'm going to change you. I'm going to transform you. I'm going to sustain you. Has anyone ever prayed a prayer that you've regretted? Yeah. Humble me, Lord. Just quicken the process, God. Oh. I prayed, yeah. I prayed, humble me, Lord, twice in my Christian life. It took me twice to learn not to pray that prayer. I was saying to someone the other week, it's, you know, that's why the Bible says, humble yourselves. Because if you let God do it, you ain't going to like it, <laughs> okay? So it's, it's like, I'm, I'm giving you an opportunity here, guys. Humble yourselves, or you can let me do it, you know? It's like the Danny Silk stuff when you give kids choices. Like, well, you can do it your way, but if you can't figure out something, we'll have to do it my way, and my way is probably not going to be as fun as your way. So. so it's so important that we don't let our hearts limit us. And this is this reality of coming boldly before the throne of grace to receive all that you need. It's when you're in your time of need. It's not when you're feeling full. Okay, I'm full, I'm secure, I can go before the throne of grace. No, it's saying in that time of need. And it could be a need because I'm struggling. It could be a need because what God is calling me to feels beyond my ability and my capacity. So it's so important that we acknowledge our heart, that we acknowledge our capacity, we acknowledge who we are, we acknowledge the journey that we're on and where God has us. But don't let that limit what God has for you. Don't let that limit the greater portion that God has to pour out in your life. So I take stock of me, I take stock of my heart, I take stock of my, le my measure of faith that I have, but then I have to, by faith, access a greater measure. And this is the thing where I want to really kind of drill home. I'm not saying God's got a great thing, so just go ahead and do it and burn yourself out trying to be a good Christian. You know, that's the exact opposite. You know, my heart is to have a church where nobody ever burns out. Because we shouldn't. 
Now, you can burn out because you're doing what God has called you to, and you don't know how to access grace. So you're doing it out of self-reliance. So you're doing good things. Often, people in ministry burn out, and they're doing a whole lot of good stuff. But they're doing it out of the wrong heart, for the wrong reason, because we can justify our bad motivations because we're doing good works. Or they do it because they don't actually know how to access the grace of God. So actually, it's like, no, you're actually walking the right path. You're just doing it out of the wrong substance, out of the wrong sustenance. You're drinking from the wrong pool. So acknowledge your heart, but then access the greater portion of grace that you need to walk in all that God has for you. If we only live by our heart potential, then we limit God's ability. Okay, so this is kind of bringing, we talk a lot about the heart journey, we, we, you know, and it's, it's incredibly important, but there's also the faith journey, there's also the, the grace journey, there's also the supernatural reality and living in both of those places at the same time. You know, I was uh, pondering uh, the scripture, it talks about in James 5.12, Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so you do not fall under condemnation. And this is something I think in this situation, sometimes where we say yes in the natural, but our heart is saying no. Or we say no in the natural, but our heart is actually saying yes. You know, I used to do this all the time. And uh, when I was younger, and I'd go to like a friend's house, and their mom or their nan would be like, oh, do you want something to eat? I'm like, oh, no, no, thanks, no, thanks, I'm okay. Do you want something to drink? No, no, I'm okay, I'm okay. I mean, my mouth was saying no, my stomach was saying yes. Like, I'm starving, but I felt this thing, I was kind of insecure, and, you know, be polite and all that sort of stuff. Nowadays, I was like, you want to drink? I'm like, yep. You want something to eat? Sure thing. You know, whatever, you know, I've, I've learned that. But so sometimes in our journey, we'll say yes, maybe even to a request from, a, from people or a request from God. And we say yes to the Lord. We say yes to people, but our heart is saying no, which means we're saying yes out of a wrong motivation, maybe out of insecurity, out of performance, out of I don't want to be left out or I don't, what are they going to think of me? And we get ourselves stuck in these situations where I'm, I've said yes, but my heart is saying no. And I think this is, you know, one of the things that obviously there's the character side of things. Or if you say yes to something, fulfill your commitment. Don't just say yes to everything and then not turn up. Like that's just poor character. But there's something is let, let your yes actually be a yes. And let your no actually be a no. I love it when in a ministry context, when I ask people, if, you know, can you do this? And they say no to me. I'm like, yes good like you're powerful and you you know i've asked people to do even simple stuff and they're just like i just can't do that i'm like awesome because i'd rather you say no and it be a real no than say yes but in your heart is a no because now you're doing something you don't want to do and why would you do that again i want to have a community imagine a community of people that when nobody does anything they don't want to do now, I'm, again, I'm, that might be things where we've, we've got to take this all in the context where you could be saying, I don't think I can do that, but I know that God's calling me to do that, so I know he's, there's got a portion, a measure of grace for me to accomplish it. Okay? But it's not something we go, okay, I, be, I better, because, you know, they're a leader or, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're, I, I want to be their friend or some, you know, some kind of reason why we would do that. But it's saying, no, just let your yes be a real yes. Like, what's your heart saying? Is your heart saying yes, then say yes. If your heart is saying no, then say no. Stop being polite to people to protect yourself from what they might think of you.
Was that yes or yes? It's good. Okay, I'm just checking. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says, do, not know, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So this is moving from this reality, understanding that we can come to the throne of grace to receive the you know the throne room of god to receive all that we need but you have become the temple of god you have become the most holy place of god's dwelling do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit within you whom you have from god so god has given you his holy spirit the same spirit that dwelt in the holy of holies in the temple he's taken that spirit and he's put it in you and he's made a temple inside of you <clears throat> hallelujah so that same reality is in you so it's interesting even to think then well where do i go to access this throne room it's right in here or maybe it's over here i don't know <clears throat> Like it, it lives within you, which is even crazier because now I've got like this portable kind of mobile temple that goes wherever I go. Like I don't need to look hard to find the temple of the Holy Spirit because it dwells within me, according to Paul. Amazing. So then if I have this temple within me, is it a veiled temple or is it an unveiled temple? Well, we're going to find out. So this is reading in, uh, where are we? Um, uh, Second Corinthians, somewhere. I, um, oh, here, hold on a second. I didn't write the reference down. Probably because I was writing it at 9.15 a.m. It's 11.11. 11. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter 3. Starting at verse 7. 2 Corinthians 3, 7. And I'm reading from a Passion Translation because that was also the only Bible accessible to me that was sitting on the couch over there. So, even the ministry that was characterized by chiseled letters on stone tablets came with a dazzling measure of glory, though it produced death. The Israelites couldn't bear to gaze on the glowing face of Moses because of the radiant splendor shining from his countenance, a glory destined to fade away. Yet how much more radiant is this new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us? For if the former ministry of condemnation was ushered in with a measure of glory, how much more does the ministry that imparts righteousness far excel in glory? What was once glorious no longer holds any glory because of the increasingly greater glory that has replaced it. The fading ministry came with a portion of glory, but now we embrace the unfading ministry of a permanent impartation of glory. You have a permanent impartation of glory. So then, with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. So we need that revelation. We're not grasping at 
external understandings or revelation or propositional truth statements. We're saying because of the revelation of this imparted glory, this imparted righteousness that dwells within me out of that place, I come in boldness and freedom to speak the truth. So we are not like Moses who used a veil to hide the glory to keep the Israelites from staring at him as it faded away. Their minds were closed and hardened, but even to this day that same veil covers over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Don't you love even that picture? And this is talking about the Israelites, but for anybody who doesn't know Jesus. And it's like that moment that the glory comes and they receive Jesus, like this veil gets lifted. That's why people, when you have like a genuine salvation experience, it's almost like, how did I not see this before? Now, the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and wherever He is, sorry, wherever He is Lord, there is freedom. We can all draw close to Him with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into His very image. We're being transformed, transfigured into His very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So as what I spoke about last week, entering into that place to receive what you need, but then you've got to leave that place and come out and release what you receive. You get what you need, but it's, it's always in order to receive. Like God always just has a greater work. You know, when He's doing something in your heart, it's always more than you. Because God is always other-centered. Like it's just part of His nature is always to consider broader than just the one. He's always doing a, a greater work than what we can see in our own lives. And I know sometimes when you're going through hardship, that doesn't always satisfy the pain and the struggle that you're going through. But that time comes where hope is restored and you go, I'm so glad that the Lord formed that in me because this is going to be a blessing to other people. If you're ever counseling someone going through a hard time, pick the moment <laughs> that you share that because um, sometimes it doesn't go down well because sometimes we actually need to just acknowledge the pain of where someone's at and not be like, oh, well, oh, but bless you, but this hardship that you're going through, the Lord's going to use it for greater glory and I don't care right now because <laughs> I'm in a depth of pain. So I just want to encourage you. And this is something that I find sometimes um, in, in Christian environments where the heart isn't valued and recognized, where it's not given language and a voice, that sometimes we feel like we need to be quick to throw in the right scripture um, rather than actually just meeting someone in their pain and go like, man, that's so, that's so hard. And I'm so sorry that you're going through that. So that's a little tidbit, not in a message, freebie. Thank me later. That's it. We enter the place of glory and walk out of that place shining with God's glory. So as the veil has been torn for us to enter into the holy place, the veil has been torn over your life to then release the glory of God. Amazing. So the veil, this is the thing we're talking about. The veil was torn so we can enter in and all that we can receive that comes in Hebrews. But now it's talking about the veil has been torn so that the glory of God can shine out from you. 
in a greater measure than Moses. And that was pretty spectacular. But you're literally being transformed into the likeness of Jesus to be a carrier of the glory of God. So we're not just called to dwell in the place of glory, but to become carriers and releases of God's glory. But we can't just walk in the glory and release the glory unless we spend time in the glory. And the glory, it's, it's kind of a, 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 how do you translate all the elements of glory? It's kind of like shalom, like it's, it's multifaceted in that sense. But it's just, it's the fullness of God. It's the, it's the weightiness of God. It's the, uh, all the amazing positive attributes of His nature. That's the best kind of explanation that I've ever come across. It's, it's all of the divine attributes of His nature on display. Not all at the same time, but that's the glory of God. When the glory of God comes, and again, because it's multifaceted, if the glory of God comes and manifests itself in a room, you could have a hundred different um, experiences of that glory. And in the same way that Moses said, and as I prayed before after the worship time, he says, Lord, let your glory pass before me. And he says, I won't let my glory pass before I'll let my goodness pass before you. Which essentially is an element of his glory. But it means that there's the, the, the presence of God has a substance, which is kind of weird because you normally we think of goodness being things that, oh, that person is good because they did a good thing. Whereas God's goodness is, is a tangible manifest reality. Like I can experience his goodness in the same way I can experience his love. Not just I can look at what he has done and think, oh, he must love me. I can experience his love. Awesome. So God is calling you to live beyond your capacity and to live by his capacity. And again, I say that in the context of understanding your own capacity. If you don't know your capacity, then you don't know where you end and God starts. So you, therefore, you don't know when I need to access that place of grace. When do I need to go into the throne room for more? And again, I'm not saying we only go to that place of intimacy when we are in need. But if, I'm, if God says, go and do this, and I think, okay, I'll go do it because God's called me to do it, and I'm not in that pattern of accessing that place, then I will reach my capacity, go beyond my capacity, and then find myself bitter and burnt out and twisted and blaming the church and all that sort of stuff because I, I went beyond myself. And this is the reality. I know that we've got this, can be environments in the church where it's performance-focused and everyone's you're kind of getting pushed and guilt-tripped to do more and to give more and to perform more and all that sort of stuff. But really, at the end of the day, it's up to you to, to let your yes be yes and your no be no. So if you're being called to do something beyond your capacity and you're saying yes when you should be saying no, because it's actually not from God, it's an expectation from another person, at the end of the day, you're really responsible for that. Now, my heart is to see environments in the body of Christ where, where mothers and fathers are leading churches and they're not calling their children beyond their ability and their capacity um, without that expectation that, hey, this might be on you, but you need to access the Lord, but just releasing people. And I, uh, this is kind of something for me I'm, I'm needing to transition into because my heart, I, I never want to burn people out. Like, I just don't, like, because I love people. I just love people. It's like, well, why would I want someone to burn out, crash and burn for the sake of doing something for God? Like, surely that's not his heart. But we also need to understand that where your capacity ends, God's capacity goes far beyond that. And so it's just living in this, in this kind of tension and seeking wisdom. But again, if you're disconnected from your heart, you don't know your capacity. And you don't even know your motivation for saying yes to something. So you can be saying yes all the time. 
Anyone here ever been one of those people, like just a kind of people pleaser? Yes, 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 all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. But see, the problem is it's, it's, not, it's not truthful. It's a lie. It's a form of manipulation. Like it's just not, it's not the Lord. It might look good and it might keep people on your side and people might like you or you become that person. That was me when I first became a Christian. I was the person, I kind of got the nickname like, well, when I became youth pilot, I was the pastor of everything. It's like, oh, you, Brad, you need something done, Brad will do it. Brad Joss will get it done for you. He's, you know, like a go-to person. I was like, oh, wow, because I didn't, you know, going through high school, I didn't receive a lot of affirmation. Um, and so I, did, I just started soaking it up. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. So then I would perform like hardcore to try and get, and I would try and do everything and try and please everybody because it, it, it fed something in me an air of unmet need, but it wasn't honest, wasn't truthful, and then I would do things, and then that's when you start to get bitter at people. So I was, you know, they asked me to help in this thing, and I've been doing it every single week now for the last six months, and nobody cares, and nobody acknowledges me, and nobody's, and it's like, well, why did you say yes in the first place if you didn't want to, I didn't even want to do it. I just saw, you know, well, no one was doing it, so I guess I better do it. Now I'm bitter and twisted because, I was like, well, then, Get yourself a no. If you can't say no, there's a problem. But you can also, you also don't want to be someone who just says no to everything because you feel like, I just have no capacity. I'm weak and I can't do anything. And it's like, okay, but, but there's, there's, there's a greater measure of capacity that you can actually access as well. And that, when you enter and access that capacity, it doesn't burn you out. Because you're not living from yourself. You're living by grace. You're doing these things and it's the work of, it's the power of God working within you. So all of a sudden you can do more than what you could in your natural capacity. And it's so important that we repent of our self-reliant ways in order to access His grace. I know for me, like I, I love learning and I just know lots of little things. Some of them are pointless, but they're good for conversation starters. Um, but I find myself in that place where generally I can go, oh yeah, I can do that. I know, yeah, I could probably do that. And so it's, you know, maybe for some of us, that's that kind of jack-of-all-trades kind of trait where you can do lots of different things, but then the problem is your reliance upon the Holy Spirit is harder to access because the natural response is, I can do that. So for me, I'm like, I want to be someone that lives in a place, I, I mean, that was literally this morning. Normally, I can come up with something for a sermon on a Sunday morning. Normally, sometimes, it's usually Saturday night, and uh, I'm okay with that. Um, if you have a problem with it, then uh, you can preach next week. <laughs> um, but it's normally, and I, but I was literally like last night, and we got home from the wedding, I'm just like, I got nothing. I got nothing. I wake up this morning, I'm like, I got nothing. I'm sitting here, got here at 8 o'clock, I'm like, I got nothing. And it's literally quarter, and I'm, so I'm in this place in, like, of dependency. Like, I, I have nothing, Lord. And my heart, like, uh, my heart doesn't have anything to give. Like, I just feel empty i just got my heart i got no capacity lord i'm done i'm talking about i'm done like i'm quitting this place and i'm moving to argentina uh i was just like i just i got i got nothing like nothing not even a, not a, just a word in my head but even if i could think of a word in my head i got nothing in my heart to give out of and i feel like i can't do that anymore i can't just give out of my head and not out of my heart but then i'm positioned in that place so i know my capacity is here god's capacity is here and then in that spark, in that moment of just like, Lord, I need you, and he comes through. 
I'm not saying it's been a brilliant sermon, but it's been something. <laughs> All right, let me pray for you. Why don't you stand up? I can't take your encouragement, sorry, because I didn't do anything. Um, that's it. Yeah. I, so, yeah, you can blame God.